I invite you to stand as you are comfortable for our reading of the gospel. From Mark chapter 13. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be, and what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. You may be seated. You will show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The final verse from our psalm today, You will show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That path of life. I, I don't know about you, but do you ever feel like your path is a little bit rockier than maybe you'd like it to be? I find myself tripping over grief led astray by anxiety or hurt. Sometimes I wonder if I've just straight up fallen off that path of life, stuck looking in the wrong direction. And part of this for me is, of course, metaphorical, but also kind of literal. I'm actually a terrible hiker. And really, I'm just not great at walking in general. Those of you who walk in my walking group know that it's very rare we actually walk side by side. I usually try to be either behind or in front a little bit because I've been told I'm very difficult to walk with side by side because I just start veering to one side or the other. I remember once I went to see a chiropractor and he was sitting in an entirely different corner of the room making notes while I stood and sat and talked about the history of my back pain. And then part of his exam was to have me close my eyes and march in place. Within a few seconds he had to stop me because I had nearly pummeled into him from across the room. In general, paths are not my forte. And in the metaphorical sense, no one's path of life is easy or without rocky terrain or twists in the road. Sometimes, even in God's presence, joy and life feel far away. Our psalmist sings, O oh Lord, you are my portion and my cup. And truthfully, sometimes that portion, that cup, seems so huge that it's impossible to fill. When we face that rocky path, when we face despair, when the ancient Israelites faced oppression and great suffering, this psalm, Psalm 16, became a prayer of hope, of prayer, of refuge. Protect me, O God, for I take refuge in you. For the Judeans in exile in Babylon, in our reading from Daniel, that refuge, that hope in their despair, came out of words of apocalypse. 
which sounds a lot worse than it actually is. Apocalypse in Greek literally means an uncovering, a disclosure of knowledge or revelation. For the people hearing the story of Daniel, feeling lost from their path of life, having fallen into slavery and exile, already experiencing such times of anguish, they're able to find hope in all of that. A hope that their people shall be delivered, a hope of everlasting life, a path of life where God's presence is the fullness of joy. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus shares another apocalypse, another uncovering of hope in the midst of despair and anguish. After sharing parables and stories and commentaries on all the corruption and brokenness in the temple, as they are leaving, one of Jesus' disciples trips on his path. Tripping over the majesty of the temple, he says, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Had he heard nothing of what Jesus had been saying, all that talking for the last few days in the temple, and this disciple is still not getting it, his awe at the buildings is an awe in something that cannot last. And Jesus knows what it is, what is to come for the temple destruction. Just a few decades later, the Jewish people once again without their place of worship, their place for God. Jesus knows of that despair to come, the pain and the suffering, the loss and the lostness of it all. And in his own apocalypse, in his own uncovering, Jesus tries to show his disciples, to show us the path of life. Buildings are great. Places to worship are great, but nothing built by human hands is permanent. Jesus says, do you see these great buildings? Not one will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. On our own path as a church, as a people of God, with a building and a place to gather, it can be difficult words to hear. Today, we're celebrating the new carpet in our sanctuary, thankful for the stewardship and the work that has been done, grateful for the hands that worked so hard for the space we share together. But this building and the carpet we walk on is not what we worship. It's where we worship. Nothing built by human hands is permanent, and that's where we can trip. That's where we can fall, not in celebrating the large stones or large buildings, but in finding ourselves stuck there, looking up. And for us, maybe it's looking down at the carpet. It is nice. I'm happy. For this disciple, rather than the path ahead, rather than the path behind him, filled with words from Jesus, Jesus knows what is to come. And this disciple is stuck looking up, looking at what great things were built by human hands. Jesus knows that the path his disciple walks as he looks up at great buildings is one that will be filled with despair. The path built by human hands is filled with wars and rumors of wars, tragedies and famines. It's the path that the world has been on for so long. Jesus' apocalypse is his uncovering is an opening for something new, something everlasting, something that is being birthed into the world. God's kingdom. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. That kingdom of everlasting life, of shining stars alluded to in Daniel, that kingdom of God's reign, of God's presence and path, the rocky terrain, the twists in our roads, God's presence is there alongside all of it, showing us a path of life, uncovering it, revealing it, showing us the way. And it isn't easy, this path, this waiting, 
especially when joy seems far away, especially when we find ourselves in despair or unable to sense God's presence. And that's why we have each other. For when we get stuck looking up or looking down or only looking at ourselves, our Hebrews text reminds us of the promises we find in Jesus of our faith and also a call to a congregation, to this body of Christ, to us as people of faith, Consider how to provoke one another in love and good deeds. Not just support or guide, but provoke. Like a hit check when you're walking alongside someone who keeps pushing you out of the way. This provocation can come out in so many ways in our relationships, in our church. Sometimes a provocation of love is just to sit down with someone that you disagree with, or that you are having a conflict with, and listen to each other and try to find a new path for, their, for that relationship to follow. And it doesn't always work. But how might we provoke each other, provoke one another to love and good deeds? And the preacher in Hebrews entreats us, and probably also has a little bit of a snide comment. He says, not to neglect to meet together like some do, right? But encouraging one another. A sometimes difficult and much-needed path for relationship when we stop talking to each other. When we find ourselves in cliques or groups of only our friends, we miss out on the uncovering that God can bring in new voices and different ideas. How might we encourage one another in our meeting, in our fellowship, in our church? The preacher in Hebrews is clearly aware of his congregation, aware that they aren't always doing everything right, that they don't always meet, that they don't always provoke each other to love and good deeds, the preacher reminds us, we don't make ourselves perfect. We can't perfect or sanctify ourselves. We can't force ourselves to make the right step every step. But for all the times we trip, we fall, or we find ourselves lost and on completely the wrong path, Jesus, the Son of God, Christ, offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. By that single offering on the cross, Jesus dies to perfect, to sanctify, to uncover the path of life for each of us. In rising from the dead, in conquering sin and death, war and famine, in these birth pangs, by the blood of Jesus, a new and living way has been opened for us so that we have confidence to enter the sanctuary, so that we can be made clean and new in the refuge of our Lord, so that we can provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another until the labor is done. Whatever path you are walking today, whether you're veering from side to side, tripping or sort of shuffling your feet, Christ's work in the world. Christ's work in us, Christ's work has already begun in you. This kingdom, the kingdom of God, is being born right now. <coughs> Daniel, Jesus, through apocalypse, through suffering, through despair, through frustration and getting stuck, uncover a path of everlasting life by this new and living way that Jesus opened up for us. O oh Lord, you will show us the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You, Jesus, will show us the path of life. Thanks be to God. Amen.
invite you to stand as you are comfortable for our song of the day.